Good morning, everybody. Good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to another episode of the Crafty Podcast. With me today is the lovely Stephanie Robinson of Action Coach Falkirk. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Steve. Um, as always, we have our podcasts every two weeks, and the idea is to be as all-encompassing as possible. We're not just talking about spirits, we're talking about everything associated with it. Um, today, I want to speak to Stephanie about her journey through business. Um, a lot of people who are in the distilling business have jumped from one profession to another, and Stephanie's story is quite similar. Um, Stephanie, would you like to give us a bit of background about you, tell people more? Okay, Steve. Um, so I um, am currently a, a business coach with Action Coach, having taken the leap and, and move profession, I suppose, um, in this just the start of the of twenty twenty two, having worked in HR and employment law for a very long time. I started my career in London, um, working as a HR uh, recruiter in an employment agency. Um, and I really got the passion for HR, having never taken any HR mod modules at university at all. Um, and I suppose bef before um, even going to uni, I took a, a gap year and a year out in, in Japan for a year at the age of 17. And, and that was a really um, interesting time uh, as a 17 year old um, and certainly exposed me to the habits of the Japanese as drinking and what they like to enjoy. And um, uh, I remember tasting my first sake um, and uh, having, you know, a lot of the occasions and the, the you know, um, social aspects in Japan for sure um, surrounded around sitting in an izakaya drinking long into the hours in the morning um, but um, yeah the, the reason for for moving career is is a couple reasons I sold my HR and employment law business and it was absorbed into a bigger firm and having some taking some time out and really thinking about what I love I'm, I'm really passionate about business I grew up in an entrepreneurial family uh, both my mom and dad owned businesses. My dad had sold two. I had been the eldest. Um, I think he always would have loved boys. I, I know for sure he'd always loved boys and he got three girls. And being the eldest, I was very much taken under his arm. And um, really, uh, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't ever see any barriers that I was a girl in terms of business. And I, I you know, he always exposed me to what was going on with him, his life, you know, whether he was going through a proposal, um, we we spent the, the Saturday mornings jumping the ditches at Hopeton House because that's where his offices were uh, I, I because, because of that and it was catering he was involved in we were exposed you know he had a very high standard of uh, drink and food we always had beautiful um, wines and uh, alcohol within the house although my parents weren't big drinkers because they did learn early on that you know they couldn't consume necessarily all these functions at all the times but um because he had catered for the queen and and he'd he'd catered in like some of the most prestigious um places in scotland and so he had a real sense of fine dining and obviously with that fine drink comes with it too um but yeah that that really because of his successes in business um that really drove me um, and I'm really passionate about helping small business owners help and develop their business. Um, 
and you know it, it, you know a lot of my my client base now are in the, the catering trade um because I get it I was I was waitressing it I think maybe even 14 I had the the white penny on so, so that's hopefully a bit of a brain dump a, a bit about me no that that has been a most interesting and I'm really 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 excited about the to hear more about the Japan um I love everything to do with Japan. You can see, if you can manage to see things in the background, I've got a martial arts career and I love Japan. It's on the bucket list to go to. Um, I love sake. I've done my level two wine and spirits on the sake as well. Um, but it's interesting you said the bit about that because of the industry your parents were in, they didn't they didn't drink a lot. You know, every, you, know you would think that if you're in a, a hospitality industry or you're running a bar or a restaurant, you're either going to eat a lot of food, you're going to drink a lot of things. I'm similar. Um, my other half, Brenda, is forever getting on to me that we're not drinking the samples that we get sent as quickly as we should. Um, we have a lot of drink in the house. Um, it doesn't mean we're alcoholics. It's market research. But in the same instance, last night was the first time I sat down in months and had a glass of wine. But just to enjoy it, it wasn't work, you know, anything like that. Um, and it was interesting to hear that. And also the bit about Japan with the culture in Japan and how they drink. They, it's a very unusual culture. Um, and it's something I do understand because I used to co-own a Japanese restaurant as well yeah. um, back in the day. And it was a similar sort of concept with the salary men coming back from their work having a drink before they went home and things like that. So, um, but it's interesting to hear the information there. And the, the one thing I always hear from people, regardless of which sort of sector you're in, is, is passion. Um, uh, my background is finance. A lot of people might know, not, not know that, um, but I'm passionate about spirits and alcohol and introducing new spirits to people. That's where my passion lays. Um, and it's the same with a lot of the distillers that we know. Um, we know people who've sold their businesses in a different sector completely because they wanted to distill gin or, or rum or whatever. They were passionate about it. And I think that's a crucial thing when it comes to craft spirits and alcohol is if you're passionate about something, you will enjoy the experience and the journey a lot better rather than just saying, you know, I've got a bottle of this because it's very rare and that's what I want. Whiskey collectors are not nuts. They like their whiskies, they enjoy drinking them, but they are passionate about having their collection. And I think that's a crucial thing there. And whether it's passionate about helping people in business or passionate about distilling something, I think there is a synergy there um, that allows everybody to be involved. And that's the whole point of Crafty Connoisseur. We want to connect with people that are passionate about what they drink, whether it's rum, gin, vodka, tequila, whatever. If you have a passion for something, it's different than having an addiction or an obsession. You know, if you're passionate about something, I think I feel that's different. What do you think about that? Is, is there you know, a big oh, difference? Absolutely. absolutely. I think passion is oftentimes people start a business or go into a business or go into a, into a trade or, or even going into a job. And I'm, I'm not being judgmental here, but they're doing it for money or profit. Um, and 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 then, as you say, they don't enjoy it as much. It becomes harder. Um, and often it's it's when the um, you know the objectives. And don't get me wrong, you know, I believe that we all, as business owners and people, should earn first, and we should um, have a sense of self worth. Um, but when you marry passion 
with the ability to earn a living and you enjoy doing that, I, I do see that people are more successful um, because they are either more persistent, um, they put their heart and soul into it, um, they're doing it with almost reasons that are about the well, they're always the, the customer tends to come first in those situations rather than profit. Um, and so I, I absolutely agree that when pa passion is, is the fuel for the, the healthiest of businesses, because without it, um, it all becomes um, a little bit bland. And even the customers, I think, can taste or feel that, whether it's a service or a product. Mm -hmm. I should point out in the interest of transparency that um, Stephanie is uh, our crafty coach. Um, yes. Yes, even though I've got 36 years experience in finance, it still needs someone else having a little look and telling you what you're doing wrong because it's not all about the numbers. It's about a, a whole load of things. So um, see, Stephanie is our coach, which is <laughs> really good. And I'm not always the best student. I will admit I don't, I don't always get my homework in on time. Um, but it's good having a, someone like yourself who's also passionate about our business. Um, mm. And sometimes I, I have been guilty of letting passion obscure the obvious. You know, you can be, there is a point where you can be too pa over passionate and you suddenly realize, wait a minute, I'm doing something wrong. Um, it's not making the money we need. If we don't make the money we need, the business can't survive. Um, profit, profit is essential because you need to reinvest that into the business. And at the end of the day, you have to live as well. Um, but one of the things we always pride ourselves at Crafty is trying to think, trying to make things not too expensive for people um, because it's all about affordability as well. Um, but yeah, been a big difference since you've come on board and been our coach, which is great. Um, and so what, what is your favorite tipple? Come on, let's get down to the crux. Let's find out what Stephanie likes to drink. When she's oh. her feet up, when she's had enough of coaching the team at Crafty and she suddenly thinks, I need a drink. It, it is situational, I will say. So <laughs> um, it depends on where we tend to be. Um, I'm really looking forward to the um, the the, uh, the tipple I bought Simon for his birthday last week, which was, uh, you'll have to help me out here, uh, that it was a beautiful turquoise bottle it's a coffee rum so Simon loves skiing we love skiing and uh, he, he just loves going having a hot chocolate with rum in it when we're up the mountains uh, and he loves his coffee as well so this is a, a coffee rum um, so when is Simon's birthday it was last Sunday oh, so, so he's got it He's got it. Right, yes. Okay. I, I didn't want in case he saw this before it went out. He suddenly was, <laughs> was going to get it. It was a Willie's chocolate Willies. coffee yes. rum liqueur, and it is delicious. And um, a, a little tip for everybody that if you if you're going to try it, it's a lovely blue bottle, which I don't. It's not one of the ones I've got here. It's downstairs. Um, but on those cold winter mornings, uh, as long as you're not driving, but if you're you know just chilling somewhere, pop a little drop in your coffee. Um, so a little drop of the coffee liqueur in a coffee is lovely. Um, I have done it on many a cold market morning um, when Brenda's going to be driving and I've just popped a little bit in there and it's delicious. And um, it's great. I mean, one of the things I really love um, about this industry is the different types of alcohol that are there, the different branding, the bottles, things like that. Um, and it's about the whole story that's there. Um, but it's interesting with the liqueur because... A lot of people overlook liqueurs or look at it in a different context in the sense that they think that it's a full-strength gin or a full-strength rum, and it's not. A liqueur has less alcohol in it. 
Um, and there's a few, been a few people in the past, some of the big players that have been guilty of advertising it in the wrong way, but we won't go down that route for legal purposes because I don't want to get sued. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you will enjoy that as long as he is willing to share it with you. <laughs> you better, you better. I, I like, I, I think my, I think the other one that my go-to is always gin and tonics. And right. um, I'm, again, I'm looking forward to what the one I've not opened it yet, but um, I've, I do like the Japanese gin. Is it Roku that came out recently? Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always really had a, a penchant for the um, Ophir, that kind of spicy gin. Yeah. Um, and um, I also like um, the, uh, a gin with like uh, cucumber. So is, is that Hen- Hendrix? Hendrix, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the the good thing, I mean, for myself, it, it, I, I like a plain sort of standard gin. Um because I like the idea that depending on what tonic or mixer I use, I can I, I'm in charge of the flavoring. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I remember one time I went into a bar and it was a basic gin, and I was trying the the cucumber mixer, um, and um, the barman overindulged with the mixer, and all I could taste was cucumbers. I couldn't get any of the gin and things like that. So uh, always remember, folks, add little by little because you can always add, but you can never take away. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that that's the whole thing. It was interesting you said that your your tipple of choice is situational, um, because I totally agree with that. I mean, you you will get people that are that's my diehard, that's what that's my go to drink, no matter what. Um, as I say, last night um, we we've had a busy week. We we've had all sorts going on with orders and things like that, and stuff going on in the house where we decorate, and it's been really stressful. But last night we both decided we're going to sit down, watch a movie, uh, put our feet up. And instead of a vodka or a gin, it was we've got a bottle of rosy wine there that was gifted to me by a friend. I love rosy. Sitting there for ages. Well, Ro- rosy is the only one that both Brenda and I can drink as a couple. Uh-huh. Otherwise, she has to have a white wine and I have to have a red wine because neither like the opposite. Yeah. Uh, rosy is the compromise. Um, but yeah, I mean, but there's been times where I'll sit down and at the end of a long day after ever we've been working at the weekend and I might think, hmm. Do I have a whiskey or do I have a tequila? It's just, it's nothing to do with uh, the strength of the alcohol. It's just the the satisfaction you get out of it, the enjoyment at that point. And I think that's that's the story with a lot of people, which is why people have collections, because they have different spirits, so they can go to a different spirit or a different type of gin or a different type of rum, depending on the situation. Um... What else was I going to say? See, this is how we're off the cuff we are. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, f- from a consumer point of view on uh, spirits, what, what is your take? Do you think there are too many spirits out there? There's too many gimmicky spirits? Or do you just think it's people trying to make a living any way they can um, in a market that is pretty much getting saturated, especially the gin market? I think it actually goes back to the point you made earlier about passion. I mean, you see a lot of these small distilleries opening up um, for gin and, and others. And, um, you know, where there, we're, there is a passion and there's a distinct flavour, I think there's a, there's some somebody will pick it up and enjoy it. Um, I, th- I think it's, you know, um, an, an eye on... 
uh, what the consumer wants. You know, as a business coach, I'm always going to say this. You need to do your market research and check that you've got a customer for uh, any product that you're you're starting up. Um, you know, social trends are changing. Um, alcohol, when I went to uni, it was all about what we're doing, getting out, going out and getting drunk. It was what's the next event, what's the next evening. From my understanding, it's maybe less, uh, you know, social drinking orientated and, um, you know, the, as many students are, you know, going down the gym on a Friday night as they might be going out drinking. And so it's finding the product that's going to appeal to your customer and where where that customer congregates, where do, where do they where do they drink? And it might be that, you know, that's where you test or, or um, you know, do your first MPV, um, where your customers are, what they're currently drinking and how you're shifting their trends or what your product might might do to shift their trends. But, you know, I, I believe in abundance. That's something that is really important to me that you you, you can understand you can understand that the um the market is is tight and it's highly more it's much more competitive than when I was a teenager and you, you had like Smirnoff and you, you a couple of brands and that was it. Mm-hmm. Now now there's an abundance. And I think that's great because there is something for everyone. Um and in, I suppose the question was, um, is it too gimmicky? I think sometimes gimmicks work. You know, yeah. sometimes sometimes a special. I mean, I know that the is it the Harris gin bottle yeah. is as is as beautiful as the gin itself. So I, I think um, you know a lot of people do buy with their eyes and often when you're buying a bottle you can taste it um i i love um when i was in japan the one things that i i used to drink in the spirits was kaula and milk which i'd never you know that the japanese introduced that to me um and the the bottle always struck me sometimes i'm i am you know i'll buy a swanky bottle of red wine with a really cool label doesn't matter what it tastes but it looks pretty <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just being really honest here and i, I love that you know i love somebody that's taken the time to put a pretty label and bottle together and it stands out in the shelf and they, they know what they're doing when they do that yeah um, so yeah I, I think it's i've been noticing that you're you're talking about the lovers rum uh, a yes. lot of on social media and that bottle's very pretty as well so again it's a, so if you're thinking about m- what kind of um market i would be simon wouldn't my my partner wouldn't care two hoots about what the bottle and the label looks like he <laughs> was he was by the taste or know that you know you go for a whiskey that he's heard of so yeah. you know that's the beauty of, of life and business that there is there is there's always something for everyone you're a hundred percent there. Um, I mean, we we've learned a lot of lessons, um, both for ourselves and direct face to face. I mean, we when we taste products, the biggest lesson we learned there was it doesn't matter if we like it. It, it we've got to think about what the customers like, like you know, because we might try something because I don't like every spirit. I can't like every drink that comes in, uh, but we have to think about the customers and the bottles. Um, yeah. People shop with their eyes. The number of times people have said, Oh, that's a lovely bottle, you know, and it's, I would take it just for the bottle. 
um, but they're not gin drinkers or they're not rum drinkers. And so we try and sell them and say, you know, the, bot the bottle's 30 pounds, you get free gin with it, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and I've seen some amazing things done with the bottles turned into lamps and especially Harris because they'll get the Harris tweed around the lamp and things like that. And it's brilliant. Um, I mean, the criteria that we have to begin with when we're looking at new brands is um, the bottle design, the spirit and the story behind it. That's the three criteria that we, that we look at. You know, is it a good bottle? Um, is it stand out? And to be honest, um, and this is where I put my finance hat on, with the, the, the cost of glass these days, a lot of people are being forced to go for standardised bottles because it, people don't realise it's large quantities that distillers have to order, um, especially miniatures. Um, I think it's something like five to 10,000 miniature bottles as a minimum order. And that's a lot of money to have sitting in a warehouse while you're bottling up. Um, so a lot of them are going for standardised bottles, not doing miniatures, um, there, I'm seeing a, a big change in the labeling, as you said there about if you see a nice labeled bottle. I've never seen a fancy bottle design of wine. It's always about the brand and the label and things like that, yeah. and that's what catches people's attention. So I think a lot of people are going down that route now. Um, the lover rum, the, the the bottle's nice. The the design, the brand work is beautiful. Um, the artwork. If you haven't seen it, folks, craftyconnoisseur.co.uk. That's where you can see it, and it tastes great too. Um, and, you know, the story behind it, why did people do it? And the, you do get people that say, I had spare cash. It seemed like a good investment as a bit of an earner, which is fine. People are entitled to do that. And then you get the people that go, I was passionate. I've always wanted to make rum. I've always wanted to make gin. I love Caribbean rum. I wanted to see if I could do a Scottish version and things like that. And that's what we love. If we can tick those three boxes, then it allows us to convey that story about the product onto the customer um, so that we can and um, fuel their passion for trying something different by providing something different as well. So, uh, yeah, a lot of good points on there because a lot of people probably thought, why is a business coach coming on a Crafty Connoisseur podcast? What am I going to learn? Folks, you will learn a lot of people, a lot of things from this lady, right? Oh. I have learned a lot in the short time that we've been working together. So I highly recommend you try and get a chat with Stephanie, um, especially if you're working in your business and not on your business, um, you know, because, you know, you can't always be there. Um, you can't always be the person that's on the front line and doing it. So it's worth having a chat. Um, so, Stephanie, I know you've got a busy day today. Thank you very much for coming on the Crafty Podcast. Um, it's been really good having you. Won't be the last time, I think, folks. We'll probably get Stephanie back in 2023. Um, but hope you have a nice Christmas. Um, and I hope Simon shares some of the... <laughs> Really he better. Like, he better. If not, you know where you can get a refill. So, <laughs> <I> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Stephanie Robinson uh, from Action Coach Folker. Have a very merry Christmas when it comes, Stephanie, and no doubt we will see you in the new year. So, thank you very much for joining thank us you, today. Steve. Thanks. Bye. And that's us. Cool. Have a find out. Stop recording.